What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you for making me part of your week. In this upcoming episode, I'm going to go over briefly my thoughts of the Buffalo Bills' thrilling victory over the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm going to go over some keys to victory for this week's game against the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm also going to talk about the Buffalo Sabres starting their season, so stick around and let's have some fun. Oh my goodness, what a game it was. The Buffalo Bills versus the Indianapolis Colts. This game was about as close as I thought it would be. Honestly, the Indianapolis Colts are a very, very good team and they are well coached. And I say that even though they did make a couple of, Frank Reich made a couple of decisions that People in, Indiana, people in Indianapolis are going to talk about and kind of criticize him for, but he was being aggressive, going up against a very talented Buffalo Bills team, and he wanted to set the tone. Had he come up with those big plays for Indianapolis, it, it would have completely changed the game for the Buffalo Bills, for the, for the Indianapolis Colts, honestly. Going for two and then going for the touchdown, those two plays for the Bills' defense were absolutely huge. Changed the momentum of the game for the Bills. They ended up winning 27-24. And before we go any further, I have an apology to make. Tyler Bass, you're probably not listening to this, but if you do, if you stumble across this and I ever see you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have turned into an absolutely incredible kicker. And after you had a very, very rough day where you missed multiple easy, easier field goals, I was so ready to get rid of you and just just cut you and bring in a veteran. And then you just completely turned it all around. You have been lights out. And in this game, you kicked a 54-yard field goal. And then you gave us some big dick energy at the end of it, flexing on the Indianapolis Colts. It was awesome. It was fantastic. Great job by you. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Please continue to be amazing. We move on. The Bills won an absolutely stellar game, 27-24. to And one of the things I did say was that Allen needed to be very, very good, and the Bills' offense needed to keep cooking in my keys to victory in the last episode. And Allen, although he started slow, put the team on his back and absolutely won the game for the Bills. He was straight dealing through the entire game, and he was awesome. He was awesome. Except for one play where I screamed and yelled at the TV for him to get down, he was simply incredible. He was 26 of 34, 76% completion percentage, 324 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and 11 carries for 54 yards and another touchdown. Josh Allen was the Bills' offense in this game. They had no run game, and Josh Allen was the one who provided for them. Led the team with 54 yards and a touchdown. Like I said, one of my keys to victory was Allen being productive, being good, and they did just that. This is the ninth straight time they have scored 26 points or more, and this energy has to continue for the Bills to keep winning games. 
especially in today's NFL. Teams score lots and lots of points. The Bills have to keep scoring points and more points and more points. Don't ever let up. Score as many points as you can. This is the playoffs. If they're, if you're up 54 to nothing, keep your starters in and blow the doors off the other team. Do not give them even an ounce of a chance because when you do, stuff like what happened in Indianapolis can come back and bite you, and it almost did. Um, and they, they had a chance at the end of the game to tie it or potentially win it with a Hail Mary. Another thing in this game was Allen was under duress the entire game, and he had some of the highest level throws I've ever seen. The first throw he had that I said, wow, was down near the end zone, rolls out to the right side. I thought he was throwing the ball away, flicks his wrist about 30 or 40 yards downfield, and Gabe Davis, who is Mr. Toe Tap, caught the ball on the sideline, dragged his toe. It was incredible. It was awesome. He did the exact same thing, but on the left side of uh, the field the next time, on his offside, flipped his hips and his shoulders, flicked it downfield, put it in a spot where only Gabe Davis could catch it, and Gabe Davis does just that again. He had four catches for 81 yards, I believe. As I said, Allen was dropping dime after dime after dime in this game, and it... and dropping them two wide receivers that were unstoppable. Diggs was unstoppable again. He led the team in yards. He had six catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. And Gabe Davis, I'm sorry, he had four catches for 85 yards, including those two huge catches on the sideline. One of them, I believe, was third down. Both of them might have been third down. Just absolutely incredible by him. Big, big game in big situations. He made big catches. And he is really turning into a very solid wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. An absolute steal that they got, I believe, in the fourth round. One of the other keys to victory, I said, is the Bills needed to put pressure on Phillip Rivers. They failed to do that, as I kind of thought that they would. If I could not stutter, I kind of thought that they would. Uh... Indianapolis has a, an incredible offensive line, and they held the Bills at bay in, in essentially the whole time, and Phillip Rivers carved them up as I predicted they would, as I predicted he would. He was 27-46 of 46 for 309 and two touchdowns, no turnovers. One of the things that they did do right is they had to contain Jonathan Taylor. I said that in last week's episode, and they did just that. He had 21 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. He averaged just 3.7 yards per carry, and he was coming into this game averaging 5 yards a carry. Great job by the Bills' defense containing him. Although, overall, they didn't do a great job against the run as they uh, let the Indianapolis Colts run for 5.4 yards a carry on the game. Uh, Nakeem Hines... Naeem Hines, Nakeem Hines, I'm sorry, I forgot his first name. Hines ran for like 75 yards on six carries. So they didn't do a great job uh, overall, but they did a great job on the biggest threat, which was Jonathan Taylor, and that's what helped lead to the victory. Um, The big thing that the Bills did, as I stated earlier, was they came up with several key stops in, in key situations, and that is what helped them move on for the first time in the playoffs since I was seven years old. I was seven years old the last time the Bills won a playoff game in 1995. That is an incredible amount of time. That's two and a half decades 
that the Buffalo Bills have not won a playoff game. So you can imagine what it's like to be a Bills fan and the jubilation that we all felt when Poyer knocked that ball down and the Bills moved on to win the game. And that's going to lead us into the Bills playing the Baltimore Ravens. This was a team that I didn't want to play, and I'm going to tell you why. The Bills don't match up well against the Baltimore Ravens. The thing that the Ravens do best on offense is the thing that the Bills do worst on defense. So that's going to pose a big problem. I know that they held them in check last year, but that's last year. That's last year. Okay? The Bills' defense has not been playing up to that level this entire for this entire year, and the Ravens are hot. They're coming in hot, and they think that they can beat anybody, and that's a, that's a recipe for disaster for the Buffalo Bills. So one of the things or not one of the things, the top three rushers, I'm sorry, for the Baltimore Ravens all averaged over five yards per carry in the regular season. Think about that. The Bills' worst trait on defense is their run defense. And what the Ravens do best is run the ball. So the Bills are going to have to come up with a really good game plan in order to limit that. All three rushers, Lamar Jackson... Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins had over 700 yards rushing each. And they combined for 22 touchdowns. The Bills have to find a way to slow down that run game. And that is going to be one the biggest key in beating the Baltimore Ravens. You're not going to contain Lamar Jackson. That's just not going to happen. But you have to figure out a way to slow that run game down. Another key to victory is the Bills have to make Lamar Jackson beat you with his arm. If the Bills make Lamar Jackson throw the ball more than 30 times in this game, I think the Bills have a fantastic chance to win because not only does he not have the weapons, but he's incredibly inconsistent when he has to throw the ball downfield. When he has to make big plays, the big plays come from his legs. We're talking about a guy who only threw for 2,757 yards this entire season. We're not talking about a super dynamic passing offense when we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. He had 179 yards and one interception throwing the ball in the wild card game, a game that they won, a game that they didn't look that great as far as uh, I've seen. But he also had 136 yards rushing on Uh, I believe, 11 carries in that game. So you have to think about it. That's the only, that's the the best way you can do, the the best thing you can do with Lamar Jackson is make him try to beat you with his arm because that's his weak spot. His weak spot is standing in the pocket and, and throwing the ball downfield, making big plays with his arm, fitting the ball into tight windows. He struggles with that. So that's what the Bills need to do. You don't have to rush all the way upfield. Don't give him lanes to rush. Make him go east-west instead of north-south because he's fast enough to beat you downfield also. Another key for the Bills to win is their offense is their best defense. If the Bills start fast, they must start fast and put a lot of points on the board quickly. If the Bills come out and score on their first three possessions, maybe touchdown, field goal, field goal, or touchdown, touchdown, field goal, or three touchdowns. 
that puts Baltimore in a predicament that they have to start passing the ball more. They have to kind of abandon the run game, which is their strong suit. And that plays into the Buffalo Bills' favor. And the last thing is the Bills, Josh Allen needs to handle the blitz and handle it well, which he has done most of the season, but he has to do it in this game for them to win. Baltimore blitzes the most out of any team in the NFL. And Josh Allen is not going to have time to hold on to that ball like he would in some of these other games. He has to get the ball out. He has to get it to his playmakers, and they have to make plays. Also, the wide receivers have to beat man coverage. Man coverage is played by Baltimore the fourth most in the NFL. So it's going to be a lot of one-on-one matchups across the board, and the wide receivers are going to have to win these matchups, and Allen is going to have to find, excuse me, find them in order for the Bills' offense to keep cooking the way it has. All in all, I think the Bills stand a very good chance to beat the Baltimore Ravens, provided they accomplish most of the things that I talked about right here in my keys to victory. Baltimore is a team that is dangerous. They are hungry. And Lamar Jackson's out to prove a lot of people wrong. Out to prove that he is a good quarterback. Josh Allen has proved that he is a good quarterback. He has to prove that he can continue to be a good quarterback. My prediction for the game, the Bills are going to win this game and move on to the AFC Championship game. They're going to win 31 to 20 in this game over the Baltimore Ravens. The defense is going to do the job on Lamar Jackson. Stick around for the next segment. We're going to talk about some Buffalo Sabres, and we're going to have a great time. It is that time again. The Buffalo Sabres are finally about to start their season, and I could not be more excited. I have said on this podcast before, I don't really like the way the NHL is going, but God damn it, I can't get ex- I can't help but get excited that the NHL is back. The NHL is going to start their season soon and the Buffalo Sabres start their season against the Washington Capitals on January 14th. And you know, the Sabres right now are hoping to snap a nine-season-long streak of not making the NHL playoffs. That is tied for the longest in history. And if they don't make the playoffs in this season, it will be a record for the NHL, for the entire NHL since it started. That's over 100 years of teams not making the playoffs. That is something that the Sabres don't want. And they're hoping that with the new additions of guys like Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl, that they will be able to get over the hump and finally make it into the NHL playoffs. Unfortunately, in this COVID-shortened season, not only is it a smaller season, so it's it's less uh, room for error, it is going to be a very difficult task because they are playing in new divisions. The Sabres are in what's now called the East Division. I believe it's the East, the West, the South, and the North. All divisions, all the Canadian teams are playing together. All the Western teams are, are playing in one division. All uh, You know, geographical, obviously. Duh, right? 
the Sabres are in a division right now that has teams like Boston and Washington and Pittsburgh. They're in a tough division. And even with the additions of Stahl and Hall and uh, Reader or Ryder and and uh, Eakin and you know guys like that, I it's going to be difficult for the Sabers to make the NHL playoffs because they have so many difficult teams that they have to contend with over and over and over again because you're not playing anybody outside of your division. So you're only playing the teams in your division and you play them back to, not back-to-back nights, but back-to-back games. So we'll play Washington twice and then it'll be, I don't know who's next, but it'll, let's say it's like Pittsburgh. We'll play Pittsburgh twice in Pittsburgh. And, and that's how the schedule has been put together by the NHL. Obviously, they don't want to have a bunch of guys going to a bunch of places. Logistically, in terms of testing and things like that with COVID, it wouldn't have worked out. And the players did not want to play in a bubble like they did in the playoffs last year. So this was the alternative. And the Sabres, I don't want to say they got screwed because you're going to have to play good teams all year long. But they got put in a really, really difficult division. I believe almost all except one team finished higher than the Buffalo Sabres last year in terms of points. So it's not like we have any gimme games this season for the Sabres. I think, uh, do they have a realistic chance of making the playoffs? That is a question that a lot of people are asking. And my answer is yes. I really believe the Sabres have an opportunity to make the playoffs. I do. I think that they have enough here right now that they can make the they can make a push at least for a playoff spot. I believe it's the top four teams in each um, in each division are going to make it and then they'll play each other and then they'll reseed after the teams are all eliminated. But the Sabres are going to have to play some really good hockey and they're going to have to play some really good hockey really fast. They're not going to be able to stumble. They've only had a couple of weeks to get together and play together and it's, it's just going to be a very tall task. They do have a lot of the same guys. They do, obviously, they have a lot of the same core guys. But with the additions of a of finally a second-line center and a legitimate elite top left wing on Jack Eichel's wing, the Sabres have added a ton of scoring and more balanced scoring. So it will help the first line more because they won't have to be dependent on every single game to provide absolutely all of the scoring. So the Sabres are a more balanced team than they have been in years past. The thing that still concerns me, the goaltending still concerns me a little bit. The defense still concerns me a little bit. They didn't add anybody on defense. They didn't, outside of, you know, like a seventh defenseman. They didn't really add, they didn't add anybody at goaltender except for Tokarski, and Tokarski is going to be in the AHL. So the Sabres are going to have a very tall task. Another thing that that having Hall and Stahl in this lineup is going to help. It's going to help the penalty kill. It's going to help the power play. It's going to help the power the second power play. Now the first power play doesn't have to be, again, relied upon to be the entire offense. The second power play can actually produce. We don't have essentially a bunch of scrubs with Jeff Skinner on that second power play. And this is the thing that is kind of killing me and I think a lot of Sabres fans. I think this is this is something to me that makes my blood boil. And I think it makes a lot of Sabres fans' blood boil also. 
These are the projected lines. These have been the lines probably for the last few days, and this is probably going to be the lines going into the start of the season. The first line is going to be Eichel with Thompson on his right and Hall on his left, Stahl with Reinhardt on his right, Olofsson on his left, Eakin with Akposo on his right and Ryder on his left, and Sheehan potentially, or Curtis Lazar maybe, with Cousins on his right and Skinner on his left. Now, why is Skinner on the fourth line? Why? Why is Jeff Skinner on the fourth line? I like Ralph Kruger, and I think a lot of players love Ralph Kruger. That's the thing. But what the hell does he have against Jeff Skinner that he consistently plays him on the fourth line? We're not going to get any production out of Jeff Skinner on the fourth line simply because he's not going to get enough minutes to make a difference on the fourth line. And then, here's my thing. Not only is it going to be potentially a uh, harm, they're putting Skinner in a position to not only not benefit the Sabres, but potentially harm the Sabres. Jeff Skinner has not looked good. And I realistically, I attribute that to Skinner's going to try to do too much. He's going to get like 10 minutes of ice time a game, and every time he touches the ice, he's going to try to do too much. Instead of doing the right play, he's going to try to do the, the, the best play, and he's going to turn the puck over a lot. Yes, he turns the puck over a lot anyway, but he's going to turn the puck over a lot. He's going to force a lot of things. He's going to do a lot of things that maybe he wouldn't normally do, and that's going to make him look even worse. Not only that, but we just paid the guy $9 million. Well, I know it wasn't Kruger or Adams, but the Sabres are on the hook for $9 million a year with Jeff Skinner. Why not get some use out of him? Why not put him in a, in a position to succeed? Last season, like I said, he played a lot on the second line, but he played with nobody at center. Nobody at center. It was Marcus Johansson. Good player, decent guy. Not a second-line center. Then he was relegated to the third and fourth lines where he did nothing. Scored like 14 goals, nine assists or something like that all last season. That That is not $9 million worth. That's not going to help the Buffalo Sabres make it anywhere. And now that they finally have a legitimate second-line center, we're not going to play Skinner on the second line? Like, I, I get it. Thompson, he looks like he could be a top-six forward. But he's not a proven Top six forward. Why not have Victor Olofsson on the right side and on the right side of Eichel and Jeff Skinner on his left wing, on uh, Eric Stahl's left wing? They played together in Carolina. He had very good seasons. And that would immediately boost offense for the Buffalo Sabres instead of an unproven guy like Thompson. Again, I like him. I think he actually has quite a bit of potential. I liked what I saw on him. I'm just not, he's just not a proven guy. You have a proven guy on the team in Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner has 20 goals in seven of his 10 seasons in the NHL. He has 30 goals four times in 10 seasons and 40 goals once. And the 40 goals with, was with Jack Eichel as his center, with a legitimate center. Uh, on his line. So what do you think he would get if he was able to actually have a legitimate center like an Eric Stahl? I think he would be fantastic. He would probably add anywhere from 18 to 24, 25 goals in this shortened season. 
realistically. Jeff Skinner's a stud offensively. Defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired. I get it. I get it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not deaf to that. I'm not blind to that. I get it. I understand what Ralph Kruger's trying to do, but in what he's trying to do with balancing the lines defensively, he is hurting them offensively. Or he has hurt them offensively. By not going with proven guys in your top six in a season in which you only you only have Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl for one season. You only have these guys one season, and then who are you putting in to second-line center? Who are you putting in on his le- on Eichel's left wing? You have Reinhardt on, on, on a prove-it deal, essentially, a one-year deal. We have to renegotiate that deal. What if he explodes? You have one season to get this right, essentially. <clears throat> My prediction for the Buffalo Sabres in their... 56 games. The Sabres are going to go... I don't know if I did this math right. Um, the Sabres are going to go um, 27, 17, and 10. I don't think I did that math right. <laughs> but anyway, the Sabres are going to win like 27 games. I think 27... I don't think they're going to win 30. They're going to win around 27 games. And they're going to have about 10 overtime losses. I don't know if that's going to be enough to get you into the playoffs, but I think they're going to be a formidable opponent every single night this season. In terms of players, I wrote down some prediction for the players. I just want just a prediction just to have some fun, see how close I am at the end of the season. I said Allmark is going to finish with a .918 save percentage. I said Hutton is going to finish with a .906 save percentage. I said Eichel is going to finish with 32 goals and 38 assists for 70 points in 56 games this year. I said Taylor Hall is going to have 26 goals and 30 assists for 56 points this year. Eric Stahl, he's going to have another good season. He's got some good wingers with him. He's going to have 18 goals and 24 assists for 42 points. Sam Reinhardt is going to have a pretty good season. He's going to have 42 points this season. He's going to step up his game a little bit. He's going to have 20 goals, 22 assists for 42 points. Victor Olofsson is going to take his game to another level, I believe. He's going to have 24 goals, 19 assists for 43 points. And Rasmus Dahlin is going to have 7 goals and 30 assists for 37 points. All in all, I think the Sabres are going to be a good team. Do I think they're going to be good enough to make it into the playoffs? I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be a fun season, and I I can't wait for the season to start. I love watching every season because I love watching guys like Eichel play. He's a phenom, and we haven't had somebody this offensively talented in a very long time. Somebody this dominant offensively in a very long time. And he's doing it with nobody around him. Now he has players around him. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what Eichel can do when he actually has help on the second line. Let's see if he can actually propel his team into the playoffs. I think it's going to be close. And if the Sabres do get in, they're going to get in as the four in their conference or in their uh, division. And I think it's going to be a very, very fun 56-game schedule in the NHL. 
But that's going to do it for this episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends and tell your family. They can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course on Anchor for audio. If you come across this video on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe so that you never miss a video. If you love Buffalo sports, I talk Bills, I talk Sabres, and I talk UB men's basketball and football. By the way, UB men's football ranked 25th to end the season. First time in history they're going to end the season ranked. First time in history they were ranked this year. Fantastic season by them. But the Buffalo Sabres are going to battle for a playoff spot, and it's going to be a fun year. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week.